0: If there's one position group for South Carolina that really needs to take advantage of this upcoming spring practice slate, it's South Carolina's offensive line. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello Gamecock Nation and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. Your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Before we get into this Wednesday edition of Lockdown Gamecocks, I do want to let y'all know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. As we continue looking at South Carolina's positional units heading into spring practice, which is now just starting six days from today. It's time we talk about the trenches. We're going to start with South Carolina's offensive line on this Wednesday edition of Lockdown Gamecocks, because the thing is this spring practice is going to be the most important for South Carolina's offensive line group out of all the position groups on this football team for a couple different reasons. Firstly, no one has a good idea of what this entire starting group is going to look like. And secondly, Spencer Rattler is going to need more help in terms of having support in the run game, which I'll explain a little bit further in just a couple of minutes. In terms of what this group has coming back and what they've added this offseason... This is a unit that consists of a mixture of talented yet young and unproven guys, especially a Marquis Anderson, per se, who just enrolled at South Carolina back in January. And it also includes some players who are experienced but have been inconsistent at best in their careers up to this point here in Columbia. So, when looking at each position on the offensive line, at offensive tackle, you've got guys like Jalen Nichols, Sidney Fugard, the transfer out of Western Illinois, Kaysen Henry, and Tyshawn Wanamaker. At offensive guard, you got Vershawn Lee, Grayson Maines, Marquis Anderson, John Darius Morgan, Trey Jones, and Ryan Brubaker. And then at center, you've got Nick Gargiulo, the transfer out of Yale. There's only two players, probably out of that entire group, that have a very high likelihood of starting this fall. And those guys are Jalen Nichols and Nick Arjulo. Jalen Nichols has started a plethora of games throughout his Gamecock career, starting out mainly at right guard or right tackle, and then eventually moving on over to the left tackle spot. And while he is one of those players that has been inconsistent for the most part, throughout his career here at South Carolina, usually you want to have your most experienced guys starting up front. And so for the Gamecocks, I would be pretty surprised if anyone other than Jalen Nichols is starting at left tackle. And even if he doesn't start left tackle, fine. He's going to be starting at left guard. He's going to start somewhere on the left side of that offensive line. So that's probably one position that coaches are not going to be worrying about too much. Nick Gargiulo is the other guy who's probably going to be starting, as obviously he got brought in from Yale for a reason. He was brought in mainly to compete for that center position. And quite honestly, when looking at this roster right now, unless someone else steps up at that spot, maybe a Rashawn Lee who has practiced there at center before during his time here at South Carolina Nick Gargiulo is probably the guy you can pencil in at that spot. And obviously, I know it fits in with the stereotype of Ivy League football players, but with someone who's got such a high IQ, probably both on and off the field, like Nick Gargiulo, you want him to win that starting job and not there be even a question of whether or not he should be there. So those two guys, again, more than likely two starters for this unit heading into the fall. But this spring is going to be a good opportunity for offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley, new offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley, to see who can grab a stranglehold of the other three spots on this line. And this is going to be important because South Carolina needs better blocking in the run game. The scheme fit for the personnel that was on this line for the last couple years admittedly probably was not the best in terms of Marcus Satterfield's pro-style offense. And obviously, I have plenty of thoughts and opinions on sort of how his scheme sometimes put this offensive line unit in a bind. A unit that was more so fitting for a power-blocking type offense compared to a zone-blocking type of offense. But either way you slice it, the Gamecocks just haven't been good enough in this area for the last several years. According to Pro Football Focus, South Carolina finished a 2022 football season with an overall run-blocking grade of 50.5. That was the 7th worst mark out of all Power 5 teams and the 2nd worst mark in the entire SEC, I believe only ahead of the Vanderbilt Commodores. And it cannot be understated that this unit on several occasions last season was bailed out. By Marshawn Lloyd. I know that people are not going to want to talk about him. Because of how he left South Carolina. But we have to acknowledge the facts. Marshawn Lloyd made this unit look a lot better. Than they actually were in 2022. Because of his ability to stop on a dime. And cut up the field. Shake defenders loose. And be able to also see holes that did open up. Even if they were very, very minuscule. Also, when the Gamecocks did not do good enough to even give Marshawn Lloyd a chance or whoever was back there at running back, the Gamecocks wound up in multiple second and long and third and long situations in 2022, which subsequently made life much more difficult for quarterback Spencer Rattler. This season, with the addition of new offensive coordinator Dow Loggins, I think that Spencer Rattler's ceiling in terms of his production is going to be higher because of how Dialogue is going to cater this offense to Spencer Rattler's strengths. But, Spencer Rattler cannot do it all by himself. The offensive line has got to help out their quarterback by, ironically enough, helping out more in the run game. And you combine the fact that the running back group is now down to three scholarship running backs as of this current moment. And again, for the most part, each of these guys, they have a smaller stature when it comes to When it comes to their size, they have got to open up holes much more than they did this past year, or else it could hold this offense back. So spring practice, extremely vital for this offensive line group, because this unit has got to figure out, first of all, who is going to fill in the rest of the gaps, the voids that have been left behind by guys like Eric Douglas, Javon Gwynn, and Dylan Wonham. And at the same time, They have got to do a better job in the run game so that subsequently it will help out their quarterback, Spencer Rattler, and open up the door more so for him to make explosive plays happen in the passing game. Now, South Carolina, they're going to be taking the football field in less than one week to kick off spring practice. And at the same time, in that stretch, South Carolina is going to officially find out who they're going to be playing in the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament in March Madness. And based on what they've done up to this point in the season, how have undefeated teams fared throughout the NCAA tournament? And is there a team that could knock off South Carolina, that could prevent them from winning their second straight national title? We'll dive into all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA's regular season is nearing the home stretch. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, if you're a new customer, you can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, it's secure, and it's also super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to a point spread to a prop bet, and even make your own same-game parlay if you really want to go all for nothing. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. Make sure to check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. You'll find everything you need to know about college hoops all in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and also players. Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. South Carolina's women's basketball team is heading into the NCAA tournament with a perfect 32-0 record. And admittedly, in the sport of women's college basketball, there are plenty of teams on record that have made it all the way to the very end and finished their entire season undefeated. So it's not the first time that this Could potentially happen at least in the case for the entire sport of women's college basketball obviously for South Carolina they've never pulled it off they would love to do so in March and in order to get an idea of just how likely it is that the Gamecocks could pull off this massive feat I decided to go back and see how previously unbeaten teams fared once they made it to the NCAA women's basketball tournament and when looking at All of these teams. And when looking at the 14 instances where Power 6 teams managed to pull this off. Here is what I found. One team out of these 14 teams didn't make it to the Final Four. That was UConn back in 1997. Three of these teams didn't make it to the National Championship game. With 1990 Louisiana Tech and the 2017 and 2018 UConn squads both missing out on a national title appearance. One team lost in the national championship game, which was the 2014 Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The other nine teams ran the table and won the title. And when looking at the team specifically that wound up losing at some point in the tournament, each loss was to a team that was both a number two seed or higher and was also coached by a Women's Basketball Hall of Fame coach or a future one. Which, if you're looking at the list specifically, includes Auburn's Joe Ciampi, Vic Schaefer, who's now currently at Texas, Pat Summit, of course, the late great Pat Summit of the Tennessee Lady Volunteers, and Muffin McGraw, who was the former head coach up at Notre Dame. So, when looking at these specific circumstances, who could be the team that potentially defeats South Carolina based on this historical precedence? Well. When looking at this tournament bracket, there are three teams based on current projections that could potentially be the ones to knock off South Carolina. The first team I think of is the Stanford Cardinals. Now, Stanford admittedly has stumbled a good amount in the latter portion of the season. I now believe that they sit at five losses, which is something that for people who maybe follow the sport really closely, did not expect from a team that was returning players like a Haley Jones or a Camlin Brink. And also, of course, has one of the greatest coaches in the sports history and Tara Vanderveer on the sidelines for their squad. But Stanford has still done good enough to be currently projected as a number one overall seed in the Seattle Regional. Seattle Regional number four, that is. They would have to play South Carolina in the final four Based on the current projections by ESPN bracketologist Charlie Cream, they have familiarity with South Carolina as they did play them earlier in the season. The other thing is the Stanford Cardinals also have size in the front court to match South Carolina, which very few teams possess the ability to do that. And Tar Van knows Don Staley quite well. I want to say. That Vanderbilt was the coach of the Olympic team when Don Staley was a player back then and playing for the United States Olympic team. So I think that the relationship started there. And then, of course, they've kept up with each other or at least kept in touch over the course of the years that have passed since that time period. And now they have faced each other countless times. And I have to admit, in terms of overall X's and O's, I think that Tara Vandeveer is one of the few coaches that could scheme up a way to win against Dawn Staley. And she's proven that she can do this before on the national stage. She has won three national titles in her career. So Stanford, in my opinion, is still the biggest threat to South Carolina potentially running the table and finishing the season undefeated. The second toughest opponent, or the second opponent that could potentially topple South Carolina in the tournament... Would be the UConn Huskies, in my opinion. Now, they are currently projected to be a two seed in Greenville Regional number two at this moment in time. They would play South Carolina in the national title game if they were to meet based on these current projections. And like the Stanford Cardinals, they played South Carolina earlier this season, so they have familiarity with this team. And they might not quite have the size overall in the front court. I mean, they have height, but. They don't quite have the overall length that the Stanford Cardinals do, but what they do have to substitute that is really impressive star power with players like AZ Fudd, Lou Lopez Chanel and Aliyah Edwards at the five spot. So UConn, they still got plenty of talent on this squad. Even if it is, from a record standpoint, a bit of a down year for Gino Ariema, who has faced Don Staley 13 or 14 times now in his career. Now, of course, Don Staley has gotten the better of Gino Ariema and his squad. I believe four out of the last five times they have faced each other, which includes last year's national title game. But Gino Ariema is still one of the best coaches of all time in the sport of basketball and UConn is still definitely a team that you got to at least respect if you end up meeting up with them at some point down the line in the tournament. And then the final team that I have, that based on historical precedents, could be a team that beats South Carolina. I got the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, they're the projected number two seed in Seattle Regional number four. They would be playing South Carolina in the final four based on current projections. They have not faced each other This season, so there is no familiarity factor, at least in terms of directly facing off against one another. But both of these teams know each other pretty well because of the discussions surrounding their superstar players. For South Carolina, obviously, Aaliyah Boston, and for the Iowa Hawkeyes, they have a superstar player by the name of Caitlin Clark, who is probably one of the best women's basketball players to play in the sport in the past decade or so. Caitlin Clark. Quite literally can hit three-pointers from nearly half-court or the logo, it seems like. And I believe averages like 27-7-8 and eight on her stat line. I'm probably wrong on those numbers, just thinking off the cuff. But Caitlin Clark, to put it bluntly, is a really, really, really good basketball player. And Coach Lisa Bluter of the Iowa guys has won 846 games in her career. So she's well on her way to becoming a future Women's Basketball Hall of Fame coach. One of her only blemishes, though, on her resume is the fact that she has never made it to the Final Four. So, again, Don Stanley and South Carolina Gamecocks, in terms of these three teams, I think that Iowa would be the easier matchup out of the three. And I still think that at the end of the day, Stanford, despite what they have done recently, would be the toughest test for this Gamecocks basketball team and the biggest obstacle to them running the table and finishing the season undefeated with a perfect 38-0 record. Now, while South Carolina's women's basketball team is set to start their NCAA tournament run in just eight or nine days, South Carolina's men's basketball team is getting ready to start their SEC tournament journey later tonight when they take on the Ole Miss Rebels. The game will be tipping off at 7 p.m. Eastern Time On the SEC Network. And my main takeaway when looking at both of these teams and previewing this game is the fact that this Rebels team, they might be the 13th seed in this tournament. But they have no quit in them. They actually fired Kermit Davis back on February 24th with three games remaining in the regular season. And the thing is, when a team fires a head coach during the season, one of two things ends up happening. Either one, the team ends up rallying behind their interim head coach and goes on a pretty solid run, or at least plays much better compared to how they played leading into their coach being fired, or the worst case scenario happens and the team just completely nosedives. The team basically just loses all fight because... There's nothing really left to fight for, at least in terms of their old head coach. Likely, the season has gone sideways, and they're not going to be playing for anything in terms of the postseason. And basically, the team's performance just sinks into a hole, and they're not competitive in the remaining games. Ole Miss ended up doing the former after Kermit Davis was fired, because in their three games since Davis's firing, they've defeated LSU 82 to 69. They lost to the 24th-ranked Texas A&M Aggies by just eight points at home. And then they went on the road in their final regular season game and faced off against the Missouri Tigers, who at this point is a likely lock to play in the NCAA tournament, and they lost to the Tigers by just five points. So, to put it bluntly, Ole Miss... They are not going to be an easy out for South Carolina. And I know that some people would sit there and jokingly say, well, Andrew, nobody's going to be an easy out for South Carolina. And sure, yeah, you might be you might be right about that. But my point is that sometimes, even in these 12-13 seed or 11-14 seed matchups, you could just tell that the lower seed is just going to be completely outmatched in the contest. I do not think that is going to be the case here. I really do think that if South Carolina wants to have any chance be playing after Wednesday night, they're going to have to earn it against these Ole Miss Rebels, who clearly, again, still have a lot of gas left in the tank despite how this season has gone for them. Obviously, the Gamecocks' biggest challenge defensively is going to be slowing down Matthew Morell, who obviously just obliterated the Gamecocks the first time these two teams met, but was held to, I believe, just 9-12 to 12 points in the second matchup that the Gamecocks had against the Rebels. So if the Gamecocks can carry over their performance from their second game against the Rebels over into this one, then... They could probably slow down Matthew Burrell and essentially make someone else have to beat you. And if South Carolina could do that, they'll give themselves a pretty good shot to win this game just on the defensive end. On the offensive end, the player I would watch for in this game for South Carolina would be Hayden Brown, who has probably done the best against the Rebels in both of these meetings. He went 4-7 for against the Rebels. In the first matchup between both of these teams, and then in the second game between both of these programs, he went 6 of 13 from the field. So Hayden Brown, clearly there's something about Ole Miss's defense that he has found a way to exploit both times that they have played Ole Miss to this point in the season. So heading into this third matchup, considering the fact that obviously Hayden Brown at this point is down to his final few games as a college basketball player, and obviously Wants to be able to try to maybe go on some sort of memorable run to end his career. I would bank on Hayden Brown going off in this game later tonight. And obviously, for everything he's done for the Gamecocks this season and trying to help Lamont Pairs kickstart this new era of South Carolina men's basketball, I hope that he's able to go out with his head held high. And really and truthfully, it would be cool to see him be able to lead this team to a few victories in the SEC Men's Basketball Tournament. So we'll see what happens, of course, with that game as it takes place later tonight. But with that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts on South Carolina's offensive line group heading into spring practice? Do you think there's maybe some players that could earn a starting spot that I did not mention earlier? And what do you think they need to accomplish heading into the 2023 season? Let me know your thoughts on that and the other topics I discussed down below in the comments section. If you watch today's show on YouTube or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at a line underscore sc and I'll try to respond to you as quickly as I can. And also, don't forget to make Lockdown College Basketball, your second listener watch. Now that you have watched or listened to, the Locked On Game Cox Podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Game Cox Podcast.